0: Radio podcast. My name is Jim and it's good to have you here. And of course, my website is your Radio.net. Uh, I'm always trying to make it a better experience, but it's just chock full of really good uh, resource material. Also how to connect with other Urantia book readers. And it also has a listing of upcoming events that the various Urantia uh, organizations are always having, including the big event that's coming up May 18th with the Association and Josh Wilson uh, up there in northern Arizona. They're having a a huge Zoom meeting and it's going to be celebrating just so many things that happened on May 18th with Jesus and Christ Michael, including the the bestowal of the Spirit of Truth, His ascension, uh, the proclamation of of equality with He and the Daughter of the Infinite Spirit, the Forever Pledge. Uh, Just so many important things happened on and around May 18th. It's the Jubilee of Jubilee celebration. And I know that if you are a Urantia book reader, you'll be very excited about all of the different people in the world that are doing some pretty amazing things and celebrating the uh, the life and bestowal of Christ as he lived with us 2,000 years ago. So, Also, later on, there's a Melchizedek uh, session going on in northern Chicago. Which uh, There's information on that if you go to the fellowship website, and that's an important event. And that is also celebrating Melchizedek, because uh, we're coming up on the 2000th anniversary of when Machaventa bestowed himself as an emergency son and taught Abraham monotheism, which of course had a tremendous impact on uh, all religions and all faiths that were existent on the world at that time, including Judaism and many of the earlier faiths, Zoroastrianism and uh, Islam, certainly, and even on down to the modern times of Judeo-Christianity, which has a lot of influence from Melchizedek, this one-time emergency and divine son, who prepared the way for Jesus Christ. So uh, paper 111 is just such a beautiful, beautiful paper. I haven't read it in a while, but I can see why so many people have told me over the years why they like that particular chapter. And so I'll read the opening uh, section, and then we'll jump over to the section on the inner soul. And that I think is going to be very interesting as we discuss some of the some of the current status of young minds in our world today, and what is uh, what needs to be sort of thought about, what needs to be seriously considered uh, when we look at the problems that we're having today in our world. The adjuster and the soul, the presence of the divine adjuster in the human mind makes it forever impossible for either science or philosophy to attain a satisfactory comprehension of the evolving soul of the human personality. The Marantia soul is the child of the universe and may be really known only through cosmic insight and spiritual discovery. Now, when I read that, what it basically is saying is that science is never going to be able to prove, at least in this mortal life, the existence of the soul. It can only be known through spiritual discovery. Now, of course, the authors that are writing this are very well aware of the, the reality of the soul because how else would you leave the mortal estate? Think about that for a moment. When people die, they don't come back to life in another human body. Sometimes people think, well, maybe they get passed on and their soul goes to another human body like like, uh, reincarnation. It's the essence of a continuation of a person's personality, not necessarily the body in which they inhabit so this opening statement is saying the soul is real, but it cannot be discoverable or measurable or quantified by science, but it can be experienced through cosmic insight and spiritual discovery. The concept of a soul and of an indwelling spirit is not new on Urantia. It has frequently appeared in the various systems of planetary beliefs. Many of the Oriental as well as some of the Occidental faiths have perceived that man is divine in heritage as well as human in inheritance. The feeling of the inner presence in the addition to the external omnipresence of deity has long formed a part of many Urantian religions. Men have long believed that there is something growing within the human nature, something vital that is destined to endure beyond the short span of temporal life. Before man realized that his evolving soul was fathered by a divine spirit, which, by the way, I think they're actually making a statement here, a fact, it was thought to reside in different physical organs, the eye, liver, kidney, heart, and later the brain. The savage associated the soul with blood, breath, shadows, and with reflections of the self and water. In the conception of the Atman, the Hindu teachers really approximated and and appreciation of the nature and presence of the adjuster. But they failed to distinguish the co-presence of the evolving and potentially immortal soul. The Chinese, however, recognized two aspects of a human being, the yang and the yin, the soul and the spirit. The Egyptians and many African tribes also believed in two factors, the ka and the ba. The soul was not usually believed to be pre-existent, only the spirit. The inhabitants of the Nile Valley believed that each favored individual had bestowed upon him at birth, or soon thereafter, a protecting spirit which they called the Ka. They taught that this guardian spirit remained with the mortal subject throughout life and passed before him into the future estate. On the walls of a temple at Luxor, where is depicted the birth of Amenhotep III, the little prince is pictured on the arm of the Nile god, and near him is another child, in appearance identical with the prince, which is a symbol of that entity which the Egyptians called the Ka. This sculpture was completed in the 15th century before Christ. The Ka was thought to be a superior spirit genius which desired to guide the associated mortal soul into the better paths of temporal living, but more especially to influence the fortunes of the human subject in the hereafter. When an Egyptian of this period died, it was expected that his ka would be waiting for him on the other side of the great river. At first only kings were supposed to have ka's, but presently all righteous men were believed to possess them. One Egyptian ruler, speaking of the Ka within his heart, said, I did not disregard its speech. I feared to transgress its guidance. I prospered thereby greatly. I was thus successful by reason of that which it caused me to do. I was distinguished by its guidance. Many believed that the Ka was an oracle from God in everybody. Many believed that they were to spend eternity in gladness of heart and the favor of God of the God that is in you. Every race of evolving Urantia mortals has a word equivalent to the concept of soul. Many primitive peoples believe the soul looked out upon the world through human eyes. Therefore, did they so cravenly fear the malevolence of the evil eye. They have long believed that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The Rig Veda says, "'My mind speaks to my heart.'" So that's the opening of paper one eleven that gives us a historical perspective of the history of the concept of the soul in in human life here on our our world. And then it goes on to the how the mind is is where all of the activity really takes place. So I'll read to you this final paragraph in paper one eleven, section one. Mind is your ship, the adjuster is your pilot, the human will. Is captain the master of the mortal vessel should have the wisdom to trust the divine pilot to guide the ascending soul into the marancha harbors of eternal survival? Only by selfishness, slothfulness, and sinfulness can the will of man reject the guidance of such a loving pilot and eventually wreck the mortal career upon the evil shoals of rejected mercy and upon the rocks of embraced sin. With your consent, this faithful pilot will safely carry you across the barriers of time and the handicaps of space to the very source of the divine mind and on beyond, even to the Paradise Father of adjusters. So now you can see why people really love Paper 111. I mean, I have read it a lot of times, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 times. And the prose just strikes me as so elegant. I would, I would love to see the reaction of a, an atheist and, and how they would respond. I mean, internally really respond to that kind of writing. So now I want to skip over to uh, section four of the same paper, 111. And it's still talking about the uh, thought adjuster and its relationship and helping to mold the potential soul but now it's going to expand uh, and talk about it on a more cultural level, on a more societal level. And I thought about a lot of what's happening. You know, when you see people today, what's happening with our kids and how everything is about TikTok. Some of the stories that we read about what, what children are, not only what, what are being done to children, but what children are doing to each other. And a general malaise. And what's missing in young people uh, in their minds today? What, what isn't being taught to them that they're missing? And this section of the Arantia book is, is somewhat prophetic because now we're talking about how civilization is being affected by the lack of the appreciation of meanings and values in that inner life, in that mind arena of choice. Where decisions are being made and so it's a very important statement and I'm just going to read through it and I'll let you draw your own conclusions about the seriousness of what they're saying here because this is a very serious section, it's almost sobering in fact it is sobering so the first two paragraphs sort of set the stage for what they're trying to accomplish here which is to explain how our minds actually function in the world and what the process is in our mind when we're going about living day to day. So it says, Recognition is the intellectual process of fitting the sensory impressions received from the external world into the memory patterns of the individual. Understanding connotes that these recognized sensory impressions and their associated memory patterns have become integrated or organized into a dynamic network of principles that's the process that goes on in your mind you know you're an intellect living in a world and all of this external stimuli is coming into you and you have to process all of that and 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 fit them into sensory impressions that are interpreted and then they're they're created and organized into a dynamic network of principles that you live by meanings are derived from a combination of recognition and understanding meanings are non-existent in a holy sensory or material world meanings and values are only perceived in the inner or super material sphere of human experience the advances of true civilization are all born in this inner world of mankind it is only the inner life that is truly creative Civilization can hardly progress when the majority of youth of any generation devote their interests and energies to the materialistic pursuits of the sensory or outer world. The inner and outer worlds have a different set of values. Any civilization is in jeopardy when three-quarters of its youth enter materialistic professions— and devote themselves to the pursuit of the sensory activities of the outer world. Civilization is in danger when youth neglects to interest themselves in ethics, sociology, eugenics, genetics, philosophy, the fine arts, religion, and cosmology. By the way, cosmology is defined as uh, seeking an understanding to the origin of things consisting in the universe. So it's like a a blend between astronomy and particle physics. Only in the higher levels of the superconscious mind, as it impinges upon the spirit realm of human experience, can you find those higher concepts in association with effective master patterns, which will contribute to the building of a better and more enduring civilization. Personality is inherently creative but it thus functions only in the inner life of the individual. Snow crystals are always hexagonal in form, but no two are ever alike. Children conform to types, but no two are exactly alike, even in the case of twins. Personality follows types, but is always unique. Happiness and joy take origin in the inner life. You cannot experience real joy all by yourself, A solitary life is fatal to happiness. Even families and nations will enjoy life more if they share it with others. You cannot completely control the external world environment. It is the creativity of the inner world that is most subject to your direction because there your personality is so largely liberated from the fetters of the laws of antecedent causation there is associated with personality a limited sovereignty of will. Since this inner life of man is truly creative, there rests upon each person the responsibility of choosing as to whether this creativity shall be spontaneous and wholly haphazard or controlled, directed, and constructive. How can a creative imagination produce worthy children When the stage whereon it functions is already preoccupied by prejudice, hate, fears, resentments, revenge, and bigotries. Ideas may take origin in the stimuli of the outer world, but ideals are born only in the creative realms of the inner world. Today, the nations of the world are directed by men who have a superabundance of ideas, but they are poverty-stricken in ideals. That is the explanation of poverty, divorce, war, and racial hatreds. This is the problem. If free will man is endowed with the powers of creativity in the inner man, then must we recognize that free will creativity embraces the potential of free will destructivity. And when creativity is turned to destructivity, you are face to face with the devastation of evil and sin, oppression, war, and destruction. Evil is a partiality of creativity which tends towards disintegration and eventual destruction. All conflict is evil in that it inhibits the creative function of the inner life. It is a species of civil war in the personality. Inner creativity contributes to the ennoblement of character through personality integration and selfhood unification. It is forever true. The past is unchangeable. Only the future can be changed by the ministry of the present creativity of the inner self. Paper 111 teaches us How to get to know our inner spirit and to work with this divine presence. And in doing so, we become partners in the creative process of living. You've heard the phrase of letting Jesus take the wheel or let go, let God. These are the modern day expressions that echo the very truths of the experiencing of the relationship between ourselves and our inner spirit friend, the presence of the Almighty in our hearts. Thanks for stopping by. Questions on the Urantia Radio Podcast? Email me, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.